can start with you. Um, Actually, no, we'll start with you, Melanie, sorry. The idea for this. Tell me where it came from. Um, so, um, uh, I have a small production company called Kindle Entertainment based in London. And um, I have three children, they're triplets, they're 18 now. And when this project started, they're about 14. And I was very struck by, I have two boys and a girl, and they both they have very vivid relationships with computer games, social media. And it was, it was kind of really struck me that it had a huge impact on how they saw themselves, how they had friendships. And somehow drama, TV drama, just hadn't really captured the kind of phenomenal revolution that we all get going through as a society. Um, and so I found Lottie Mogak's book, Kissing Me First, which is kind of, it was, it was seen as being the first um, Facebook thriller, which looks at what it means to be able to change your identity, to, to, to kind of, it looks at grooming and, and what it means really to be in a world where you actually don't know who you're in relationship with. Um, and so I needed to find a writer that kind of, kind of could match the kind of highs and lows of that of that novel and really tap into the um, the emotion of what that feels like, really, rather than just looking at the politics of, of the internet. So Brian, as the creator of Skins, just seemed like the really obvious choice, and luckily he liked the book. Had you heard of the book, Brian? Was it something you were aware of before? No, I'd never heard of it book, uh, I was at a television festival in Galway and Melanie got me drunk. <laughs> you just sobered up tonight. <laughs> when I woke up in the morning I agreed to write the show. <laughs> Tell me what your initial impressions were when you, presumably you went off and then read the book, what were your initial uh, thoughts about how you could, you know, adapt this for television? Well, it, first of all, it's a really good book and um, you know, and uh, Lottie Moga is the daughter of Deborah Moga, who's a, a writer well known in the television world. So I was interested. Um, the television series is quite different from the book because the, the, the book is set in the world of chat rooms. And the thing about chat rooms is that that's people sitting at a computer. So we, ha we had to think of a way to make it a bit more visual. So after a bit of discussion, uh, you know, we decided to set off into this wonderful world of animation. And that brought you to Glasgow. And if Melanie, if you could tell me why in particular you chose Axis Productions for this. So um, we've made other animations at Kindle and uh, you often end up making it overseas because of tax breaks, etc. And it's quite difficult creatively to work with people that are on a, in a different time zone and different cultural references. So I knew that it had to be a UK animation studio. And I also knew it had to be a studio that understood both the world of gaming and, and the use of camera and gaming, and then also the world of animating a story and using cinema photography to tell that story. So to be honest, there was really only access that had that skill. That most studios tend to specialize in one or one thing, and access just had this kind of fantastic uh, breadth of experience, and Richard really had the ambition and the hunger to do it. Did you visualise it straight off, Richard? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, Mel and I met in London, um, and I remember walking out of the meeting and sort of thinking to myself, that's one of the craziest ideas for a television show I've ever heard. But I, but I think a lot of my questions were about, were, were not about whether I thought we could create the animation, it was more, 
I asked Mel and, and in turn Brian when I met Brian like lots of questions about how do you want to tell the story and how is the how is the uh, the VR element the game element going to play out and how much should it feel like a game how much should we use traditional uh, camera work and drama storytelling and how much should we worry about it feeling like a game world and I was always quite aware that um, you know the audience that, that, that a show like this is for will probably have played a lot of video games so it's a world that they really understand and they'll know so you kind of have to nail it from a perspective of of making sure that they they really uh, feel that it's genuine and it's grounded and it's something that they can kind of relate to well if i can ask you a bit about the the process then because obviously that everyone that's seen it here tonight will no doubt share my amazement at how incredibly realistic the, anima the animated characters actually are. Presumably, uh, you had to have the actors acting in order to adapt that into Absolutely. animation. Absolutely. So the whole process um, was very involved. You know, it brought the two cultures of live action and animation together. So we went through a process, quite a long process of development we wanted to create this look that stayed away from this uh, uncanny valley territory of you know photorealistic not quite reading so we were very conscious about creating a particular style that was instantly recognizable um, but also to retain the integrity of the performances we used motion capture so full performance capture to really capture those nuances which were true to each of the fantastic actors that we had on board. So, so one of the things that Channel 4, um, they were very um, they were very skeptical actually that we would be able to uh, tell a dramatic story through animation, that they, the feeling was is that would it, would it be, it's great for action sequences, but would, would we be able to carry the emotion of Brian's script because it's really all about how these characters feel about each other and the nuance and the doubt and ambivalence and those kind of much more nuanced expressions that you wouldn't necessarily associate traditionally with animation. And getting that was the key thing, so that the, char the characters are idealized versions of the actors, um, but they're not so uncannily like the actors that you sort of zone out, they've got soul, and that was that was the key part of the uh, process, really. And all the, the references, you know, with Khan, who was the animation director, very inspired by the, the illustrations of J.C. Leindecker. So again, lots of the things that the, 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 the planar uh, style with the characters were inspired by that, and a lot of the, the environments hugely inspired by fine art. So all the references that we were drawn to weren't necessarily movies or, or things that we've seen before but art you know very very much well, uh, on that point were there any particular locations that you were inspired by that have been kind of represented well yes there were but i can't actually tell you because it'd be a bit of a spoiler <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry i wouldn't have led you up that instead of <laughs> realizing that's where we're leaving uh, Brian, tell me, were there, were there any, I presume then from the, uh, from the writing perspective, you would have had to have been aware of the fact that, that certain parts of what you were adapting were for uh, animation, and did that impact how you adapted them? It, it didn't change how I wrote it. I just wrote what I wanted to write. 
Um, it was after I'd written it that all the problems started. <laughs> Could you cut us in on some of those? Well, I mean, the world of live action drama and the world of animation are two very different worlds. So the challenge was to was to get the two work ways of working to fit together. And um, it took a moment or two just to work out um, what the job descriptions of all the people at Axis actually meant. <laughs> um, so it was, you know, but uh, you know, Axis are a fantastic company, and we we just we just kind of sat sat in a room together until we'd until we'd worked it out. I think I think one of the things for from my perspective was that we as a studio have never made um, a drama, a TV drama before. And Brian warned me right at the start of the process that this, you know, there will be lots of things here that will go on that you that you'll be kind of questioning. And I suppose in a way we kind of warned each other about that. You know, that there will be things that we both don't understand about what we're doing. Um, but I think the most important thing was was sort of evolving the, the relationship. Um, and you know, we we started our London studio because of Kiss Me First. We established the studio because of this project, and so that we could have people that could, um, that Brian could talk to, could look in the, look in the eye and and have conversations with, and not be 400 miles away from mm. or over Skype or anything like that. And it was really important that that, that was how we established that kind of working relationship, and more than anything, how we you know we we established trust, and we knew we got to a shorthand which we didn't have at the start because we didn't really. Understand. I mean, animation loves to know every single frame that it's going to make, how it's going to make it, and it knows it's going to take quite a long time to make it. In in live action drama, it's a bit more free, it's freestyle the opposite. than that. It's, it's messy. A bit more freestyle than that. It's messy, isn't it? And animation is much more precise and detailed, and you plan everything from the get go. And TV drama is messy and organic, and you're kind of discovering it as you go. So they're very, very different disciplines. Yeah, we had, we had to get a bit messy. I mean, uh, we, we had to kind of, we had to go with, with, with the flow from Brian's perspective so that we, we weren't too uh, structured to the point where uh, Brian couldn't have the creative process that he was used to. Which, right. means, which means changing things sometimes. <laughs> um, in animation, you have to decide what you're going to do and then do it at enormous expense and if you want to change it that's gargantuan expense so you have to be properly thought through who got who with the last word brian <laughs> melanie i suppose there's probably a challenge here in that um something that we've, we've just seen tonight is going to appeal primarily to a gaming audience the challenge i guess would be to attract a non-gaming audience to watch something yeah, and I, I mean, uh, my point of view, I'm not a gamer, but I just think the world of gaming and what it, what it means to millions and millions of people around the globe is phenomenal. And somehow the mainstream culture hasn't really engaged with that. Um, so I, I'm enormously proud of it because I think it's just a really fantastic story about characters that you're incredibly um, connected with. Uh, and it offers an, a window into a world that you don't know, I think is completely fascinating. So I'm just delighted with, with having had that opportunity. I suppose 
given that we, we are you know currently two weeks into a very topical story about data paranoia I feel like you know there are certain things about what we've just seen tonight that might uh, resonate a little bit more deeply because of that, that would you consider that to be the case well I mean I think it's incredibly prescient what Brian's kind of written um, in terms of all of those all of the sort of scandals that are going on at the moment in terms of you know what information you're willingly handing over as a consumer um, about kind of really uh, how much you're being groomed by the social media and the internet. You know, that what, just being more thoughtful, I guess. Really, part of this story is about being more thoughtful. If I could ask yourselves, Brian and Melanie, I mean, you, you come from a, inverted commas, traditional TV background where, you know, animation maybe hasn't played that much of a, of a role in the past. We have seen animation that has been used to tell stories for donkey's years. Do you foresee a time where uh, adult drama like this is being told primarily through animation? I don't see why not. Well, I do see why not, actually. It's the, it's the cost and the, and the time. Probably the time more than the cost, because it takes a long time to make an animated, you know, in that amount of detail. So, but I think that, we, you know, in one of the things I wanted to do was to kind of approach that problem of cost and time uh, in relation to animation. And I think Axis did a fantastic job of, you know, starting to triangulate that. Um, so I think that for the future, that's because television is changing so much and production budgets are rising because of the international market, I think, you know, uh, it's a distinct possibility uh, going forward in the future. you agree, Melanie? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think what I really, what I'm really delighted about with 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 this story is that it doesn't feel like normal TV drama. Normal TV drama is very dialogue driven. It's basically two people in a room chatting, and you occasionally might see an exterior shot of a car going past. But we tell a lot of this story visually, and that's what animation really encourages you to do as well. The show is actually really quite a lot louder. <laughs> Than uh, we've heard it tonight, and the music is a is a huge part of it. Get your earplugs in when uh, it goes down on Monday night. It is Monday night. Monday night, Channel Four. Yeah, and and no spoilers about the end. Oh yeah, of course we're supposed really to say that at the very top. <laughs> Tell everyone how marvelous you thought it was, but no spoilers about the ending uh, on your social media channels. Uh, same question to those of you who are from the animation background. Presumably, you'd be jumping and punching the air if uh, if things pan out as, as as Brian has just described. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as a, uh, from our perspective as a, as a studio, I mean, as Mel mentioned, we have done a lot of work um, with the video games industry. So we we understand there is a massive audience not only for the interactive element of game playing, but but watching content and anim animated content around the game world. And that's what we spent 15 years doing a lot of, um, but it never seems to make it onto television or, or into the cinema in a way. Um, and, and live action always seems to to be there. And I understand the reasons for that. Stars, you know, Tom Cruise gets more tickets sold than an animated character does. I understand that. And but, but animation is traditionally known as something for children and families. And what really excites me about Kiss Me First is. Um, in, in the UK, for you know, it's not 
animation has not been on screen for, for older skewing audiences in a drama context before. I mean, it's huge in Japan, for example, and France. Um, animation is huge for adult audiences, but, but it's, it's not really in the, in the UK or the US for that matter. Why do you think that is? I think it's just a cultural thing. I think in Japan, reading comic books is not for, reading. If you're an adult and you're reading a comic book, that's not frowned upon. Watching anime, anime is not frowned upon. It's part of their culture. It's not part of the culture here. Uh, 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 it's not part of the mainstream culture as an elsewhere. So there are anime fans all over the UK, but they're. I think it's about fantasy, isn't it? I think our culture is really anxious about fantasy, and and what what's so sort of rich about Kiss Me First, and, and the fact they have these alter egos, these avatars, and they can be something other. Actually, it's something that speaks to all of us. It's just that probably it's to do with our Puritan roots or something. You know, we, we don't allow it. We've got to be serious. We're not allowed to play. It's about play, I think. Is there something in the, I mean, we all, we all hear so much about, you know, children. It's not just children, it's what we always do with our gamers these days. Uh, teenagers, young adults, older adults, spending a lot of time engaged in or with screens. Is, is there any kind of comment in Kiss Me First that, that, that sort of points to that and, and, and encourages a bit of thought around that? Well, when I was a kid, people used to talk about kids getting square eyes because they watch too much television. And now, of course, everyone's trying to work out how to get kids watching television again. <laughs> So um, people have a fascination with screens, cinema screens, computer screens, television screens. You know, a certain amount of perspective is desirable and uh, you can have too much of a good thing. The show is a relationship drama that asserts a friendship between two young women and explores that friendship in depth. And, you know, that is human values uh you know it's not a it's it, you know we're not we're not saying that uh that virtual reality animation is in and of itself good because it's neither good nor bad it just depends the use to which it's put i've come a long way since atari certainly pac-man um i think maybe it's probably a good time to throw open to the floor do we have any questions Well, we looked at a lot. Um, I think the one that had the most influence me uh, on me is a game from about 2014-15 called The Last of Us. I don't know if you know that game. Uh, it's got a female lead uh, and a strong narrative strand and, a, and a, a real emphasis on character. And that game has stayed with me, you know, for a long time. And it's one of, you know, probably the start of a new generation of games that started to widen out into a you know, slightly different kind of way of doing things, not so much. I mean, it is a point and shoot to some extent, but it has this very uh, great character element to it and kind of opened my eyes to the, the art of computer games, which I hadn't properly understood. Um, and I think that it's one of those uh, subcultural areas where you know, posh people don't think much of it, but if you look closer, there's some pretty amazing artistry and creativity at work. Yes, one another one from the very back. Uh, question for Brian. Uh, would you be thinking of writing your own computer game? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> 
years old this year and I think probably I'm not the person to be writing computer games. However, some of the other writers on the show, and there are two, three or four other writers who've worked on the show, have worked in the computer game uh, industry and, uh, you know, um, I think uh, we're, we're always interested in how television can affect and, how, and create, you know, create more creativity. Um, you know, so um, you know, so it's it's nothing we wouldn't you know it's not something that I am <laughs> focused on, but it's it's not out of the question. I can see skins, the computer, you know, the scene on that. Does is is Asana a game? Does it exist as a game? No. No. I think no. it could. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So the Brian's idea was, 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 was that we're slightly set in the, slightly in the future, so rather than there being Facebook or Google or Ed, all of the range of different platforms, Asana is the one platform. So you can go there to hang out with your mates. So that the, the moment when, when she has the fight at the beginning and then they chat is kind of where, that's where we kind of sell the whole idea of Asana, that you can go there for combat or you can go there and catch up with your mates. So, it replaces Snapchat, it replaces gaming, it replaces all of those different means of communicating. And of course Channel 4 had a, a genius marketing stunt a couple of weeks back where they were launching the Azana band. Did anyone yeah. go out to buy one? <laughs> no one that's going to admit it. Any more questions? Yes. Yeah, I've got two part questions. One for Melanie and then one for the old panel. But the second one's small. Melanie, there's quite quite a lot in there you were talking about Channel 4 being fairly mm, dubious or a bit cautious but you've got Channel 4 and you've got Netflix what, what was the tipping point like in what sequence yeah, did you bring yeah. your partners on? So, so, cha so Channel 4 delighted to have Brian back so they when they read the book they optioned the book with me and um, paid for Brian to write a script and a series bible and at that point, it was still chat rooms. <laughs> and then we were in the development, and we had these young writers, and it was all like, well, how are we going to do the chat rooms? Because she meets Adrian and Tess and all these characters through text. And, um, and we had to remember, we said, oh, they could come into this. Oh, it'd be really radical. We'd get the actors to actually come into her bedroom, <laughs> as if it's in her head. And then Brian said, no, that's shit. <laughs> so um, I think we should, be, we should animate it, and I think she should be a gamer. And it was like, it was, it was, the, it was the kind of Damascus moment, really. It was where the, it's where the project I knew was going to happen. You know, you develop lots of things, and you might get a bit of money from broadcasters. But it, it, was, it was the killer idea, actually. I remember getting really goosebumpy when he said it. It's actually inspired by Mary Poppins, weren't you? Um, and, and so then we went back to Channel 4 and said, okay, we've got this really great idea. And they went, what ambition? <laughs> they actually then gave us quite a lot of money to make one minute of proof of concept. And we said it was like the most expensive minute we'd ever produced because you know, there was, you, couldn't, you couldn't amortize it or anything. Every, every frame of that one minute had to be lovingly, beautifully, fully rendered. And it had to demonstrate to the commissioners that that young character in animation would convey nuance 
and that's what it did. And she was this most beautiful. In one minute, you so cared about this young girl. What it's when she, well, it was you, Brian wrote a separate minute. Oh, she right, goes, because right. we needed to show fear, anger, yeah. loss, you know, in a minute. But it really worked, didn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> worth saying that television channels tend to be pretty dubious about everything I suggest. <laughs> um, and this was no exception. Second part, so you're going back to Galway? Well, I think we should. Wake up and go away at the end of this year and go, oh yeah, I've got another one. We've never been to Galway, so. You should try it. I'm tempted to ask you a little bit more about Mary Poppins. Well, Mary Poppins is one of my top three movies of all time, and uh, it's a work of genius, obviously, and uh, and I, I think I was taken to the cinema in Inverurie in Aberdeenshire to see Mary Poppins in the 1960s, and the moment where they drop through the pavement into an animated world is still something I think about to this day, that the impact of that has never left me. And I remember thinking, God, if I could do something like that, I'd be so happy. So, um, then what, 53 years later, you were given the yeah, chance? Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions from the floor? We've got a couple. Yes. Um, what was it that inspired the characters? Well, it's an adaptation of the novel by Lottie, so the, the Lottie Moga. So the, the characters are broadly, I mean, I have invented some of them, and it's quite a free adaptation. But the, uh, the basic spirit of the thing and the inspiration comes from a pretty amazing book by Lottie Moga. Um, and, you know, we are, you know, we're currently developing the second series, and we've kind of like, We've worked through all Lottie's material, of, you know, and we're we're kind of making it up now. So, um, you know, it's 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 always interesting when you adapt a book, you know, to, to what extent you stay within the bounds of it. And we have stepped outside the bounds of the book. The really pleasing thing for me is that Lottie Moga has sort of waved us on, and uh, you know, she's been incredibly generous about some of the liberties that we that we've taken. There's one more here, yeah. I think we, we, we talked a lot about um, how do we make sure that the audience understand that the people in the real world are experiencing what we are seeing through the, the alternative animated reality. And that was really important. And we went, we started talking a lot about if they were, if we could, if we were inside their eyes, what would we see? And, and when they turn their head, what would it be like? So at the start of, of Episode one, we use a lot more, we use quite a few kind of POV, point of view cameras that would be similar to what the, the, the characters would actually see in the virtual world. And that's to reinforce the fact of what they're seeing, but also when you cut back to the live action and then cut back to the animation again, that, that joins it up. But 
mean, Brian is a master in the edit suite, and he controlled how those cuts really worked. And once we had done our animation, you still evolved that, didn't you, when you were in the edit suite afterwards, how that, that handoff kind of worked. But also, I think I think that it's a it's a whole it's a whole approach rather than just taking out that one element that that might, that makes it feel cohesive. So, because I think in many ways it's a bit like a fairy tale, that you know she's an orphaned girl at the beginning of our story, which is how lots of fairy tales start. And she goes into these dark woods, which is what happens in lots of fairy tales, and then she encounters these kind of strange enigmatic characters that she's not quite sure what she's meant to do. She's posed with different moral dilemmas. So I think that actually all of that kind of elevates the story out of a kind of normal piece of social realism, which is what TV drama normally is, and takes you into something more mythic. So the, the animation feels more comfortable, I think, because of that. I think the fact we start with a girl at a funeral is actually really important to helping us go into that animated world. Pauline Richards, were you aware of the, sorry to pull it back to Mary Poppins again, Brian, but were you aware of, the, of, of, of Brian's Mary Poppins kind of uh, jumping off point? Personally, I wasn't, <laughs> but a lot of things make sense now. <laughs> I think there were two more, one at the very back. Well, what I decided when we set off writing the show was that I was going to uh, imagine a world where the internet actually worked. <laughs> and you might think that's a bit far-fetched. <laughs> it certainly is in my household, but... Um, so that's all, you know, just imagine a world where the internet works and then everything is possible. Uh, right at the start of the project, I... I, I became obsessed about making it as re as grounded as possible and putting logic behind it. And I created a very nice, it was an amazing document. It was, it was 10, 15 pages. And I sent it to Brian and Brian said, I don't want any of that logic to get in the way of what I can write. <laughs> and I said, okay. And that was the case closed. <laughs> well, I think that it's funny, you know, when I was talking to young people when we were researching the show together, you know, me and Mel were asking about their what, what their what their opinion on social media was. And I'm talking to 17 and 18 year old kids, and they didn't really know what I was talking about. <laughs> they didn't, you know, the word social media is a construct of middle-aged people yeah. who are trying to understand something. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like asking a mother how she feels about her pushchair. <laughs> you know, and um, so. Uh, so we tried to kind of like slightly not worry too much about what the rules were because you can get yourself very bound up with that. So, you know, um, we don't spend too much time thinking about how it's all done. It's, you know, it's just about, it's, it's, it's about the story. I would say that, do use your social media channels to tell folks more. <laughs> uh, do we have any more questions? From the floor. One more quick question. It was cut on two different systems, on Avid and live action. Yeah, and yeah, Adobe Premiere on the animation side. 
but really we supply we supplied everything to the online uh, that, that Brian uh, where Brian constructed the whole thing. The two systems are completely incompatible with each other. Well, completely. <laughs> okay, folks, thank you very much. Um, I'm sure you've all found that. I hope you have as interesting as I certainly did. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your attention. And thank you to Paula, Richard, Melanie, and Brian. Thanks very much.